When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. What's going on? Jermaine Johnson, tune in to Turn On The Jets podcast. Hey, this is Vinny Pasquantino of the Kansas City Royals. Make sure you tune in to the Turn On The Jets podcast. everybody welcome back to the turn the jets podcast i'm your host will parkinson at will paul 11 on twitter instagram and tiktok a uh, a rainy thursday here in new york may uh may the fourth be with you obviously and that's nice right. little uh i don't know star wars uh little star wars action everyone knows i'm a big star wars guy uh happy to have joined by uh by field yates of espn field we uh, got to meet in indy glad uh glad to get you to take up some time yeah and i think if my memory is correct we were like Hey, we're going to huddle up, but let's let the Aaron Rodgers thing figure itself out. Not realizing it was going to take what <laughs> three more months or two and a half more months yeah, that... when we had that conversation. <laughs> so I'm glad I'm glad that that uh, situation did come to a close and that we have the finality that uh, we knew was uh, was going to happen. Uh, it just took forever. And I got to tell you, at one point down the stretch before Aaron Rodgers was officially traded, I started to tell people that every day felt like a month, right? So that two weeks before the trade, that took like years off my life, waiting for the Aaron Rodgers deal to finally go down. Even if we all knew it was going to happen, it was a matter of if, excuse me, a matter of when, not a matter of if. No, it was, listen, I I mean, I don't know how much more of your Twitter feed was like that, but my Twitter feed every day was leverage, leverage, and then more leverage. And it was yeah, it yeah. was former Packer people saying the Jets have no leverage. It was former Jets people saying the Pack- it was nauseating, honestly. And I'm really glad it's yeah. over. Packers Twitter seems to be still quite upset. Uh, they got very angry yesterday at Randall Cobb, and now Randall Cobb apparently sucks. So um, glad glad Packers fans aren't salty at all. But I guess I want to just kind of start with the the trade overall because the compensation went back and forth, right? For it felt like we're talking about in February, maybe two twos, maybe it's a one. What it, what's it going to yeah. be? It ends up technically a pick swap and two twos. It's probably going to become a one. If it doesn't become a one, something's probably gone wrong. Right. Um, what do you think of the compensation? I guess overall, was it something that you felt like was fair? Were you a little surprised? The pick swap to me and the two twos kind of felt like a little surprising. But again, if he plays two or three years, I think it's worth it. Yeah, no, I think it's 100% worth it. First of all, even if he plays just for one season, I know Jets fans probably don't want to hear that, but uh, I have not sensed this much enthusiasm from a fan base uh, in a long time, maybe the entirety of my lifetime. I'm 36, so I didn't see the Joe Namath days, obviously, but this is the most fired up I've seen Jets fans in a long time. And, you know, I know that um, you use the word leverage and because there was a perceived lack of leverage on the Packers side, 
um, people in my life that are Jets fans started to talk about the sort of the fantasy of like getting Aaron Rodgers for pennies on the dollar. And I think the reality is that that was never going to happen. Uh, there's been too many quarterback trades in recent years, and not that all quarterback trades directly influence the other, but they do set a somewhat, uh, a sort of a semi-template. And because we saw the Matthew Stafford deal for basically three first-round picks, uh, along with Jared Goff, uh, and, well, I guess it was Stafford for Goff and two additional first-round picks and a pick swap, like, I know that that trade uh, feels different now than it did two years ago, but the Rams paid that price and won the Super Bowl, and they felt great about it. So I think that the reality for this deal was it was never going to be a bargain. Um, it's not just because of the fact that it's a quarterback involved, but these are negotiations between two of 32 franchises, and you can't hide from the Packers, or the Packers can't hide from the Jets for the eternity of the NFL beyond this, right? There is something to be said for relationship management and if this becomes something that ends in no deal being comp uh, you know consummated, then all of a sudden you get two franchises that are going to have to deal with each other again in the future and will have a very different view of each other. So I thought the compensation was about in line with what I expected. And as you said, um, this is almost assuredly a first round pick going to this, the Packers in 2024. But me, that's fine. Like, look at the opportunity cost for the Jets. If it isn't Aaron Rodgers, who is it right now that's their starting quarterback? Is it a trade, uh, a trade pers a pursuit of Ryan Tannehill right now? Is it, I mean, look at the available free agent quarterbacks at the moment. It's not a particularly inspiring list. I thought the opportunity cost the Jets had on their hands made it clear to me that it was going to be a fairly significant price paid to the, the Green Bay Packers and generally speaking a four-time uh, NFL MVP and Super Bowl winner should command a fairly significant price yeah look uh, I think people were like oh maybe you'll go for the Darnold package and it was like that'd be I mean I just it got to the well, point I mean, how? where it was, yeah. You know, yeah how is that possible age, yeah. right you no know, he's yeah. obviously Aaron's what 15 16 years older now than Sam was when he got traded but uh you are that was an organization in Carolina that I don't think that had a track record of success that is on par with what the Packers have done for the past 30 years. And the Panthers, that trade was like almost inexplicable from the moment it went down. And not just because of the picks involved, but also because of the fact that they were picking eighth in a draft that had what we thought would be five first round quarterbacks. It ended up being five quarterbacks taken in the first 15 picks. And they could have, based off how the draft unfolded, had Justin Fields or Mac Jones. And I think that looking back on it right now, they probably would have preferred that at the time. And maybe Bryce Young will render it all moot. But given everything they've done since that Sam Darnold trade, which included paying Cam Newton $6 million fully guaranteed plus more, and then trading for Baker Mayfield. I think if Carolina could redo it, they would have bypassed that trade. That one felt odd from the jump. This Packers-Jets trade felt to me in line with what you should be paying for a quarterback of Aaron's caliber. Yeah, look, and I think if you look at it, Packers fans seemed happy with the compensation. They feel like, okay, we got multiple picks. We ended up drafting um, every athletic white dude in the draft, and it was, it, was, it, was comical. it was funny and whatever, and then you know, the Jets fans feel great. They have Super Bowl aspirations. Aaron's at MSG. He's at Carbone. He's doing all these different things. And he's like ingratiating himself and into the New York culture. I I guess you kind of made a point there that I wanted to ask you. And the arms race that is the AFC, right? Like the quarterback situation 
you know, I know Kyle, uh, Kyle Brandt's uh, tears list went viral yesterday. And I'm knowing Kyle as well as I do, I'm sure that was partially to part get of it was by part, design. Part right? really was by design. Um, May 4th. We got to have yeah, some stuff to talk about. I was going to say, now, people, right? people still fall for bait sometimes. Um, yeah. That said, I think you made a point there that, you know, the expectations for the Jets, I thought the most impressive thing Rodgers said in his presser, and then he said on the a million interviews he did after, he didn't back down from the Super Bowl aspirations. He's he's a lot of times he kind of leaves there a window for him to be like, you know, to skate around a certain issue or a topic. He didn't do that with that. You know, there's other things I'm sure people can get mad at him about. He was like, no, I'm here to win a Super Bowl and multiple yeah. Super Bowls or whatever. I guess, A, were you impressed by that, that he kind of went out and didn't say, oh, you know what, longest playoff draft in football. Let's just go make the playoffs and see what happens. Yeah. Be impressed he attacked the Super Bowl thing. And is it fair to expect this team to compete for a Super Bowl? Because, again, if you take the Jets logo off, I feel like you people more people will be like, this is a Super Bowl caliber team. I just think there's a lot of, like, we haven't seen this team be good in literally over a decade. So it's kind of hard for me to buy in a Super Bowl in year one. Yeah, I thought it was self-aware by Rodgers to, to to note that the Super Bowl is the expectation now. And I think fair or unfair, it is. And uh, I think that that's how you're going to define success. You know, we do, we do NFL Live or any of the shows that I do. Uh, oftentimes, like one of the questions that is posed in our pre-show meetings is like, how do you define success? And I often find it to be a very subjective question, right? If you're looking at CJ Stroud in Houston this year. What defines success? I don't know. Like don't my answer would probably, yeah, yeah. Well, my answer probably would be that sometimes I think with quarterbacks, you know a franchise quarterback or at least a high-level quarterback when you see it. And you know the opposite of that also when you see it. I know the eye test is as subjective of a test as we have, but I often find myself saying when I go through and watch a game, that's a keeper, that's not a keeper, right? And there, there, there definitely is some gray area. You've got veterans like as an example Kirk Cousins who maybe sort of flirts in between those uh two realities and you've got young players who you don't totally know yet you're not ready to kind of count them out but you're also not certain they're going to be great those do exist in the NFL but I think with the Jets success is very clearly defined I don't think if 10 years from now you and I are doing this show again and some other quarterback has been traded to the Jets and we say, remember the time the Jets went 11 and six, made the playoffs and then lost to the Bills in round one. That was awesome. That's not going to be your memory of this, right? When you acquire a four-time NFL MVP, I think, and maybe I should ask you, do you believe success in this trade is tied to either appearing or winning the Super Bowl, appearing in or winning the Super Bowl? Because at least in my mind, that is the definition of a win or a loss of this trade. Yeah, I think I, I go back and forth and going back and forth. I still think the expectation at a minimum is host a playoff game. They have not hosted okay. a playoff game in 22 years. Yeah, I think that means you win the division. You're in round two. It means you're two wins away from the Super Bowl. They've never won 13 games. I think things like that. But I look back at the Brett Favre trade, right? And they were eight and three. They probably yeah. were the favorite to win the Super Bowl that year. Like they went into Tennessee, who was nine to one or ten to zero. I forget. They smoked yep. Tennessee. They sm like they beat the Cardinals by a thousand points. And you're like, wow, this team could win the Super Bowl. They won one of their next six games or one of the next five right. games. Brett Favre moves on to Minnesota. Minnesota's in the title game next year. That trade's deemed a failure, even if like it wasn't actually bad. I think if they get to the Super Bowl and they don't win it, I think conference championship game at a bare bare minimum. But you still probably I don't even yeah. Now I'm thinking about it, I don't know. It's like. Would I consider I'd probably meet you there. Yeah. I'd probably meet you there. Like if they go to the, so I think there are yeah, ways. If they lose an arrowhead 
2724 yeah. sure like you can say right. you know what they lost the best quarterback the last 20 years yeah and by the way if this is a multi-year run where you're in the mix right like if this is a one-year thing and Aaron has acknowledged that he's not sure what the life of 2024 looks like for him whether it's playing football whether it's playing uh I don't know hosting Jeopardy whether it's just living his life normally on the beach in California and never talking to any of us again um, if it's a two-year window, maybe maybe if it's a if it's a three or four-year window, I think it does sort of change things. If it's three or four years and you don't win the Super Bowl, then I think it's probably a different conversation, right? If it's one or two years and it's like, hey, made the conference championship in year one, year two. I mean, think about the Bills over the past couple of years and how that the tenor of their seasons have felt when it's like they've lost to the Bengals and the Chiefs in the in back-to-back years in the divisional round and. You know, I try to take the pulse of fan bases every offseason, and maybe it changed a bit now as we've gotten further away from it. But Bills fans at, in like February were down bad. Like <laughs> this team has got, you know, there's a chemical imbalance within this roster. And like, does Stefan Diggs want to be traded? Is he subtweeting? Is he not subtweeting? Like, is Josh Allen like not it? I'm like, geez, I'm like, like zip over to, to, to Arizona right now and ask them what they would do to have a roster like the Buffalo Bills at this moment. So um, I think probably defining success is in part defined by how many years he ends up playing. But um, I think the trickiest part of the evaluation for the Aaron Rodgers trade, it's not Rodgers himself and really not the Jets roster in a lot of ways itself, even if there are a couple of holes that I do think are probably ones to keep an eye on right now. It's the AFC feels like where the NBA's Western Conference was for a long time, right? Like, Shaq and Kobe had their run through the Western Conference in which they were making everybody else look completely irrelevant. But then there's been like years in which it's like, I'm, I, this is an obscure analogy. And if, that, if, if there are listeners who are like, I don't know a thing about the NBA. Uh, so like Marcus All and, and Mike Conley are recognized as maybe, and, and John Morant could rewrite this story later, but like maybe the two best players in Grizzlies basketball history, maybe like two of the top three or four, whatever they are, right? They're up there. And it's like, those guys had some remarkable seasons, like remarkable seasons. And it was like, there were years and like they're either barely surviving the first round or like getting bounced in the first round, right? Like the Jazz had to break up Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert because they couldn't make a deep push. Dame Lillard has never made, he's never won a conference finals game. I think he made it there once and got swept. Again, this is my over, uh, my too long obscure analogy to point out that in the AFC next year, like without blinking, I'm going to start naming good quarterbacks that aren't Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson. There's five without blinking my eyes, right? Uh, And it's like, you have a good quarterback, you have a chance. And so there are, I would argue right now, there are probably 12 of the 16 teams at minimum that think they're going to the playoffs next year. Maybe the number is more like 11, but still, there are 11, 12 teams that believe they are playoff teams next year, which if that's the case, five teams who are going to go home disappointed. Uh, and that's assuming that things go as expected, which they never do in the NFL. So for the Jets, the big challenge is not, are they good? It's in a one game elimination series. Can you go toe to toe with the very best, possibly on the road, possibly at home and take care of business. Um, and and that's going to be the challenge for not just the Jets, by the way, it's a challenge for all these teams. You know, the bills are in a critical year because of that because of bitter disappointment in the playoffs the past two seasons so the AFC is compelling for that exact reason 
Yeah, look, uh, you, I was going to say the NBA reason, the NBA thing, if you look at the quarterback list on the NFC and the AFC, used to be the Western Conference, Eastern Conference, All-Star Games in like 2000 to like 2007. It was like yeah. nine of the 12 best guys were all in one conference, and they like the All-Star Game was just non-competitive. It was like Vince Carter is the second best guy in the East. Shaq yeah. and Bobby are like right. – and Tim Duncan are all on one team. Um, I also kind of like in the AFC East this year a little bit too um, – the AFC, I mean, the um, American League East early in early in the 2000s where the Yankees and the Red Sox were both like, we should win the title, like no question. But it was like the Blue Jays were really good and like yeah. the Orioles were really good and like the Rays were like the, the doormat, but like they still could win 70, 80 games a year. And you just Heck, look the back a, at the it. AL yeah. East right now. I, I know, know right now, the Yankees yeah, before, But like I just <laughs> happened to look at the standings and it was like. I think I believe, and I could be wrong here, like the the Yankees would be like within a game and a half of first place in like four of six divisions. And they're instead in they're place. in last place of the AL East, right? Which the Rays are obviously incredible right now. But even like, you know, we knew the the the, the Blue Jays were supposed to be good, but you know, I'm I'm from Massachusetts and it's like all I heard this offseason was like the Red Sox are an abomination. And they might be. I don't I don't follow baseball that closely, right? But I happen to see on Sports Center this morning, they won like five straight games. I'm like, oh, I thought they were supposed to stink, right? Like yeah. this is weird how sports actually pan out. Yeah, look, the the AFC East is gonna be interesting. I think New England Very. is pretty clearly the worst roster, I would say, but I also think they had one of the better drafts. And I think they're still coached by Bill Belichick and Mac Jones can't be as bad as he was last year. And I think, you know, I still think they're a weapon or two short, but they have added that, you know, they've gotten a little bit better there. The defense should be better. They, they kind of Christian Gonzalez falling that far. I didn't, I didn't foresee happening. Um, They're going to be a tough out at the very least, right? Like, I don't think if, if you look at the, even if they are the fourth place team in this division, which is how it feels right now. um, How many like last place teams do you say to yourself, perceived last place team would you say to yourself like dang like that's gonna be tough like going and beating them is gonna be a challenge right yeah. like it's, it's a little bit different than if you look at like what are the nfc west right now like be nice to play arizona twice and maybe the rams based off how things look right there right now right i mean the end who, who scares you like if you plucked any afc east team and put them in the nfc south are they the favorites yeah easily i i would say easily because they probably have as much as people don't like mac jones like he's probably what the best quarterback in the nfc south or the second best with Derek carr like yeah 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 he's one of those guys we were talking about earlier where it's like you know they're a quarterback they're in that gray area right where like he's not he hasn't proven yet that he's it but he also is clearly you know he's not a he's not a write-off right he's got him he's got to write the script though going forward so those are good examples uh yeah i'm with you it's it's context of the division is going to play a huge factor in how this afc east is viewed not even a year from now but you know nine months from now when the nfl is in the uh in, in february and probably within 10 days of the super bowl and one thing on before we get to the draft and we kind of mentioned it there but the schedule comes out i guess and you know next week i think the 11th if i'm not yeah shefty reported a uh, week yeah from the today, 11th yeah. the jets May for we'll see what happens, but and when they play teams, they have 10 of their 17 games are played in their home stadium. They only go out west twice, and that's just to yep. Vegas and Denver, so they'd have no what like true west coast trip. Yep. Um, they play the NFC, so it's a lot of local stuff. I'm very curious how the schedule is going to break with primetime. This is a team that yep. has not played, they played you know, a one prime every primetime game, yeah. They're yeah. gonna play every it's either gonna be yeah. the four, the prime one or four o'clock spot, they're gonna play an eight, yeah. eight o'clock. Hopefully, it's more Sunday and Monday night games, Thursday night games, or brutal to go to they're brutal to to yeah. you know prepare for I, they'll have one my guess yeah. my guess is just hopefully they get like the they get like that would be houston's uh houston's uh-huh. prime time game um is there a game outside of 
the AFC East that the Jets have this year? Is it like a Jets-Giants matchup? Is it Jets-Eagles or a Chiefs? Like, is there a matchup to you that would be like, wow, this is re- like this is pop- my popcorn's ready, like TO yeah. level? Like, what is Chiefs. there any matchups, Chiefs? Yeah. No doubt, Chiefs. Only because we keep having this conversation about how they might stack up in the AFC East. And the real measuring stick of the conference is the Chiefs. We've won two of the past four championships. And the Chiefs have had an interesting offseason. Like, it's been good. It hasn't been, but it hasn't been like, okay, they did a bunch of moves that came out of nowhere. And like, you know, Philly's offseason, at least of late, feels like the rich getting richer, right? Even though they did lose Javon Hart, a bunch of players, right? Kaiser White, Javon Hart, they lost a ton of players in free agency. But that feels like such a, like, that feels like, you know, years ago, right? They, they kept Darius Slay and after it looked like they were going to release him and same with James Bradbury. And then they obviously made the, you know, notable moves in the draft and trade for DeAndre Swift for the chiefs. It's just been like a business-like effort this off season. You know, Juwan Taylor comes in to play right or left tackle Donovan Smith now potentially play, replaces Orlando Brown jr. But it's not like they, you know, Juju Smith Schuster leaves in free agency and they sign or they draft for she rice, like not a bunch of uh, headlining moves from the chiefs outside of Juwan Taylor, but, they didn't need them. Like they're just that good. And part of how they're going to get better is that they had this really good draft class last year that should be even better and more experienced this year. So that's the game that I have my eyes on. And I think, so that game is what I have my eyes on for the chiefs. And then what I have my eyes on for the, I'm sorry for the jets. What I have my eyes on though, specific to the schedule is the jets are going to, the jets are going to rate and they're going to be the, you know, one of the biggest tickets in town. They're going to play, I think the maximum allowable number it's of six, uh, right? time is six. Yeah, I yeah. don't know if, they, if it's six pre-flex or if it's six post-flex, um, but whatever the maximum number is, I expect the Jets to get it. And But I think what you don't need is you don't need Jets-Chiefs in week one. I mean, that's a bad example because the Chiefs are playing at home uh, no matter what in week one. Um, but you don't need Jets-Eagles in week one. You don't need it, right? Like Jets-Eagles week one – that's like, you know, Alabama, you know, Clemson in week one of the college football season. You put Alabama against, you know, directional state and we'll watch it because they're Alabama, right? So I think Jets versus a, I don't know, I'm not saying they need to play the worst put on their schedule, but, you know, Jets versus commanders in week one, which they're they're, they're a solid team. They almost made the playoffs last year, right? But like, that'll be the most watched game of the week especially if they place it on Monday night football or Sunday night football. So that's what I have my eyes on for the jets is how does the early season slate look? Because I think, and this applies to all AFC teams. It's not, this is not specific to the jets, but you know, there are teams that can play catch up, but we have seen the numbers suggest like a team that falls to like, Oh, and three early, that's going to be a really difficult hole to dig yourself out of. And that might be just as much tied to your schedule as it is your ability. You know, like if, the Jets draw Buffalo, Philly, KC in weeks one through three, right? Like, that would be the three toughest games of their schedule the entire season. They could start one and two, and all of a sudden the world would be falling or the sky would be falling. Uh, or conversely, they could draw, you know, whatever, inferior foes and start three and oh. Meanwhile, Buffalo gets, you know, Kansas City and who else, whatever else, and they're one and two. And it's like, wow, wow, you know, like everything feels very different. So that's what I have my eyes on for the schedule in the AFC is whose schedule on paper looks a little bit softer in September versus who has the gauntlet to go through in September that makes you think they might be out of it before they're actually in it. Yeah. I was, I'm, I wonder if your, uh, your employer waste, uh, I'm sorry. I wonder if your employer waste uh, jets giants on nine 11 to, uh, to open the season, the two, the biggest oh, market. Wow. I thought about that. Yeah. yeah. It's Monday night's nine 11. So I don't know. We'll see. I mean, I'm not sure. I just, that's been 
everyone th- assumes that's going to be the uh, assumes it's the opener be the game. Yeah, the opener. But I don't know. I feel because like that game too, is in. I mean, it's it's, it's a Giants away, home game. Right? Yeah. yeah. So it's but. another way to you know it's you know I'm not that the the league is often as concerned about where the game is being played, but uh, you know Aaron Rodgers would open in the New York market, which that number would just I mean that would yeah, smash. Be, yeah, be incredible, right? Yeah, I want to. I'm curious from the draft class perspective because yeah. it felt like the more I've sat on it, the more I've gone. Okay, you know, there's two guys they drafted that I transparently didn't watch because they were rumored to be UDFA guys, and I just like can only get to, through so many guys. Um, I like Will McDonald. Yeah, felt felt like maybe slightly a reach. Um, could still be a really good player, but kind of felt like yeah. a little bit of a luxury. Um, Joe Tidman pick made so much sense in this in this division in this conference, as we talked about, you got to be able to protect your quarterback, you've Aaron Rodgers. I just felt like the draft overall was slightly underwhelming, but I can't tell if that's because I'm looking at it through a year ago, they drafted probably three of the seven best guys in the class. And it just, it's like your expectation flips from every Jets draft has always been okay. Can these guys come in and be superstars? Well, that happened. And now it's like, reverting yeah, well, back to you're a good team this is about building depth this is about building a constant like a roster that can last not just a year but can last three four years is that kind of how you took away from it because it feels like everyone's like eh, it's a b b minus like last yeah. year was like a plus best draft ever well this is what happens when you're no longer picking the top five right i mean this is a reality the jets are going to have to deal with going forward the chiefs are in this i was thinking about this with the chiefs draft because it's like back-to-back years where you're just and a little bit less so last year because they had two first round picks but their drafts in recent seasons have not exactly moved the needle in some people's eyes. And you're like, well, when you're picking 31st and 63rd every year, like it's a little bit more difficult to, to find blue chip players like that, like blue chip players generally are, are, I mean, there is one very obvious pipeline for what I would call pro bowl, all pro caliber players, the top 15 picks of the draft, like just go back and look at them. And it's like, that's where you'll find them, right? Like, the Bosas don't get drafted in the third round, right? They get drafted in the first three picks. That's just how it goes. So for the Jets, I think part of what happened in this draft was that they aren't they aren't picking, you know, they aren't they aren't picking the top eight or ten picks, right? And and Sauce and and, and Garrett are guys that you knew were going to be very, very highly drafted. And then I'd say beyond that is um, you know, the roster no longer has a bunch of needs, right? Like it had a few needs. And I think that. I think the big a big reason why the draft is being perceived the way that it was is that people aren't viewing pass rusher as much of a need right now, which is fair in the sense that the Jets had a phenomenal defense last year. And who's the I was thinking about this? Who's the biggest defensive loss for them this offseason? If I said that to you, like Sheldon you know, Rankins, that, Sheldon Rankins, the only yeah, Rank, okay, that I was going to. That's a good one. Yeah. So Rankins would have been my my answer. Rankins as well, and but, Joiner, Rankins and Joiner are the only two starters that aren't coming back. Yeah. So Rankins, but and so you're like, all right, on the scale though of like, you know, Rankins was was obviously a very good player for them, but it's like, is he the seventh most important starter last year? Right. You just start to do the math, like Q, JFM, you know, Sauce, like Jordan Whitehead. You just go down the list, and it's like, all right, you know, Quincy, and 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 obviously. Also Mosley, like yeah, you know, maybe he's maybe he's higher than seventh, but whatever. He's not top three. He's probably not bottom three either. Um, the Jets' defense was so good, and and they basically kept the unit intact that you're not thinking defense much. The draft is also about what you need, not just this year, but going forward. And you know that cap situation is going to have to be addressed when Rogers' deal is reassessed because he's not. I mean, I'm here to tell you he's not playing for 1.165 million bucks this year, right? Uh, and they just signed Randall Cobb. 
you know, they're going to keep, they're going to keep adding veterans. Like we can joke about it all we want, but like, I expect to one day have a Shefty tweet about Mercedes Lewis, right? I would be shocked. I tweeted it the second that, I don't know, whoever it was. I think Diana had a tweet that was like, he's going to be the facility. I was like, it's weird how Mercedes Lewis and Randall Cobb posted videos working out for the first time all off season. Shocker. Oh, is that uh wait, is uh is does she tweet this morning? He's no, 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 no. He was I was gonna was, say no, she yeah, uh was like, no, it was when he was reporting like a week ago. And oh, okay, I was, gotcha, I was yeah. like, I was like, Cobb is gonna be signed within hours, yeah. and then obviously yeah. it took a little longer. But yeah. the fact that he's coming to OTAs is uh, a little shocking, but whatever, good for him. Different times, man. So, anyways, back to uh so like they're gonna need some cap space here, and maybe that maybe, and I, I don't know this for sure, but I think I've seen enough people wonder about Carl Lawson's future, right? What does that look like right now? Um, so that's part of it. Um, is that like they didn't have as much of a perceived need at the end or pass rusher right now. The second part of it is that they did have a big perceived need at offensive tackle. And the player that so many had linked to them, and really the last of the surefire offensive tackles in the first round. Went what one pick or two picks, one pick ahead. Yeah, right? one pick, when yeah. Pittsburgh moved Bel- up, Bel- so Belichick got a uh, Belichick took a little less to uh, yeah. perceive yeah, so, a little less. And so I think a, a little bit of a sting, right? Like that that the player that probably would have assuaged all the concerns along the offensive line goes one pick ahead of them, and it happens to be that the team who trades up, the Steelers, trades up with you know the Jets' most hated rival in the Patriots. So I think that's a big part of why the draft feels differently, and then also. Small draft class, right? What was the draft? What was in the draft yeah, like? They had, yeah, it's six. They only had sixers. They only had six guys, but like they traded yeah. back twice. Like they have a right. they had a ton of six and seventh round guys. So it's right. Really only, so you know, yeah, yeah like, three yeah. guys in that first four rounds is a small yeah, class. So yeah, that's part of it too, right? And so um, I would say that, uh, and I hate to like, I uh, I think two things can be true. A lot of things can be true at the same time. I love mock drafts. I love draft grades. I view them as like almost exclusively for entertainment purposes, right? Um, I don't hold people that have incorrect mock drafts or incorrect draft grades accountable because a lot of things take place. A lot of things change. Um, It's really hard to predict what's going to happen a month from now, much less, you know, three years down the road with this draft class. Um, So I, as a result of that, while I consume a ton of draft grade content, I also like, and maybe I'm wrong for doing this, I believe teams deserve the benefit of that. You've got a massive scouting staff that worked 12 months to get ready for this draft class. I mean, from really actually like before the 2022 draft was over, they were already grinding away on the 2023 class. So somebody who spent 12 months studying Will McDonald said, hey, this guy can really help us. So I tried to, when a draft is over, yes, I read the, the, the grades and have a ton of fun with that. But I also say, all right, what was the logic behind this? So why are they taking a first round defensive end. Okay. So right now I don't think he's necessarily a guarantee to play a ton, but even if Carl Lawson stays this year, is he a guarantee to stay next year, which that is, that's going to be the, yeah, yeah. he's on a three-year deal. So he's going to be a free agent after this year. Well, what if Will McDonald's an every down player a year from now, is anybody going to cry about it? No, of course they're going to be thrilled about having a guy like Will McDonald. And Joe Douglas has had a very atypical Joe Douglas off season because of the Aaron Rodgers trade. He is a draft and develop GM. And I know that every GM, um, not every, but a lot of GMs are assigned that label, but like, you know, like less need, right? Like these are guys who are not, you know, then Howie Roseman, like they, they have more sort of like unconventional methods. They are unafraid to attack. Right. So uh, in terms of draft, uh, building the roster, so I look at it the I look at the offseason uh, in some ways as like 
a reflection of like other forces at, at work here? Like a, the pressure for needed quarterback. I'm sure the owner really would like the quarterback to not be, you know, a, a sort of on the fence veteran or Zach Wilson. So I felt like that was a Joe Douglas type pick where, uh, so I think if I'm a Jets fan, I'm taking solace in the fact that like the GM who's done a really good job building this roster probably picked the kind of guy that he would exactly want. I would love to see the draft video. Um, if I don't know if they have it or not, if they've released it of like the, the minutes leading up to the pick, because I think it'd be fascinating to see like, what was their reaction when the Steelers traded up to 14? Were they preparing to take Broderick Jones? Were they trying to get ahead of the Patriots because Patriots had a perceived need at left tackle too. Um, and was it like, hey, were, was, were they thinking Will McDonald before the, the trade up by Pittsburgh? Were they not? That would be an interesting video to see. Have they released anything? And I no, it? it'll be out. Okay. I think it comes out in two weeks. They do like okay. it's like flight twenty three this year instead of one yeah, Jets yeah, yeah. five. Yeah. Um, no, I think what was interesting is anyone you asked in the Jets building, I asked after the draft was like, we're so pumped to get one McDonald. I know everyone says that, but it wasn't like it didn't. Like, listen. This guy is an elite level athlete, led the country in sacks two years ago, was yep. played out of position. They played him as a four eye. He's clearly a wide nine guy. He's 238 pounds and things like that. Yeah. And then the thing that I thought was, was two things that I thought were really interesting with the McDonald pick was one, Kuiper mocked him in the top 10 three weeks ago or four weeks ago. And nobody yeah. like paid attention to it because he wasn't mocked to your point, which I actually didn't really think about until just now. Fans associate mock drafts with like, oh, the team's going to draft this guy here. Yeah. And the Jets didn't get mocked with McDonald ever. So everyone's yeah, like, totally. Who the fuck is this guy? Why is he out? Like, where did this come from? In reality, I think that if it's just people didn't assume edge rusher and oh, Will McDonald, maybe it's Van Ness or maybe it's a Nolan Smith. Nolan Smith fell another 15 picks. So it wasn't just the Jets didn't view him clearly as highly. No. And the thing with McDonald, like, and Carl Lawson, you mentioned, Carl Lawson every other year seems to get hurt. And they were really lucky popped last year. Yeah, six and a half sacks last year. Yeah, popped Achilles two years ago, three or four years ago, torn his ACL. Five years. Like, unfortunately, these things happen. There's certain players that unfortunately get hurt, and you have to be guarded against that. Last year, the Jets got crushed down the stretch where guys started to get hurt. The offensive line got banged up, and Zach Wilson stunk. And it was like we went from seven and four surefire playoff team to losing six in a row, benching. Yeah playing Chris Trevor on primetime. I wanted to quickly ask you about a couple yeah. of uh, a couple of fantasy questions, obviously. Um, yep. The Jets are kind of an interesting test case for how this is going to work. I guess you could kind of base off the Packers stuff from, the, you know, 2020 and 2021, similar, yeah. just, you know, a lot of similar guys or similar play styles at like Garrett Wilson. Maybe he isn't Devontae Adams yet, but he has very similar play style. Uh, he's obviously a very good player and put up big numbers with uh, his red zone numbers for anybody, by the way, with and without Zach Wilson is quite hysterical to look at. Uh, he was like fourth in red zone tar- in like a t- in like end zone targets and had four receiving touchdowns. Like that doesn't add up, right? It's, it's, it's very, it was ugly. 83 <laughs> catches on 149 targets. Like I haven't done the math recently, but at one time I remember looking at like, again, it's not a, it's not a him stat. It's a quarterback stat, but it was like, I'm sorry, 147 targets. It was one of the least efficient uh, like catch rates in the league again, not because of Garrett Wilson, right? I don't, I don't recall him having like significant drop issues last year. So yeah. uh, it was quarterback play. That's what happened. Yeah. No, there was, yep. there was, there's literally one drop and it was, he came back and caught a game winning touchdown. So I'll, I'll uh, yeah, I'll give him yeah. some slack on that. But I wanted to ask you from a, Hey, we'll just start with, I wanted to go like running back receiver tight end quickly. Let's do it. Yep. Um, running back is really interesting. I mm-hmm. like Izzy Abacani or however you're gonna I don't know how to pronounce his last name. I have to figure that out before he comes. Fast. Out. How's that? He's fast. Yeah, he's That's fast. His last name. Michael yeah. Carter had a really bad year last year. Yeah. Like really bad, like was just bad at everything. And unfortunately, yeah. was good as a rookie and then all of a sudden fell off a cliff. Yeah. Harry Hall, I don't know like 
I just don't know what to expect because he was so good, but yeah. I don't think the Jets want to rush him back. And what if they no need like, to, what if they, there's no need to. And also I know it's annoying from a fantasy perspective, but the first couple of weeks of the year, like the Jets might say, you're going to get 10 to 15 reps. Like he's, I don't see him getting 20 carries anytime in the first half of the season. I think they're going to try to ramp it up. So I guess, how does the running back room and the Jets shake out? Because there's a lot of guys and there's one superstar, but superstars yeah. hurt. Well, a couple of factors are contributing to Brees Hall's ranking is, first of all, everything you laid out, right? That even if he is medically clear to play in week one, I don't expect him to play a ton in week one. I expect him to be judiciously used in the first month, maybe two months of the season. Second of all, and I think this is very human of us, but in fantasy football, especially, we have this really bad recency bias where we do things based exclusively off of what happened last year, as opposed to prior years. One that did happen last year in a major way and other years too, um, is the post ACL recovery club proved that you need a full year before you're back to your normal self. The best example that I think is relevant to Brees Hall is Saquon Barkley off of his ACL, where it was like, he comes back and he was good, but not like you should be drafting him in the first five picks. Good. Which is where Saquon will be in or has been and will be in other years. Um, so for Brees, that, that's the big challenge is, does he come back and go back and just look at a few guys that came off of an ACL tear last year? Robert Woods, who took a big step back. Part of that's the offense. Chris Godwin, who averaged like 8.8 yards per catch. At one point, he was at like 15.1 yards like a, He was just like a bubble screen guy. Yeah, it was all year. he was. Now, part of that was definitely the offense, right? Like they couldn't protect you and I. Brady was getting the ball out. The second the ball was snapped, basically. But still, 8.8 yards per catch for a guy – that was at one point in his career for a full season over 15 yards. Like that's a very different Chris Godwin. So maybe he bounces back a little bit this year, maybe not because of the quarterback play, but at least he looks different. So that's the big question I have with Brees Hall. So what I did was I tentatively rated him at running back 19 overall. Um, and I'm, I have, uh, I do like, we have our rankings that are available on ESPN. Obviously I keep a document just at all times, just of like, not just where they're ranked, but like some notes. They had whatever, 15 plus carries and, and 12 of his 17 games, you know, led the NFL in touches per game or whatever the various notes are, right? Uh, and I've got two players that are highlighted in big, bold yellow, which are Brees Hall and Javante Williams. Uh, Williams definitely more disconcerting because it sounds like Javante Williams might be out maybe half the season this year. Who knows? Um, they've been very noncommittal now about the beginning of the season. And that was a very complex injury. On the scale of ACL tears, Brees was much more sort of just, right down the middle. Like that was, it was a, a clean ACL tear, if you will. And not to mitigate it, it's obviously significant, but um, should be back, you know, on a general timeline that is associated with an ACL tear and the recovery. So a little bit less concerned about his versus Javante Williams, but I can't control how much the Jets use him. If he was healthy, I'd expect him to use him 20-ish touches per game. So in different circumstances, he'd probably be like RB8 or 9. I've got him down 10 spots just to account for what we don't know right now. A little bit of a hedge on Brees Hall. Yeah, no, I think that's I think it's probably a smart move. Plus, it's kind of hard to the Packers ran the ball and the Aaron Jones obviously was incredibly productive with Aaron Rodgers, but it's just hard to tell. Like we don't we haven't seen it yet. So it's just you kind of almost have to hedge. I want to go yeah. to tight end and we'll finish with the receiver because I think receiver is honestly super interesting with yeah the amount of bodies. Tight end is another one where it's a lot of guys. Um, LeJay yeah. Duzable said the other day, he's like, he expected Tyler Conklin to be a top seven tight end in terms of fantasy. I don't know if I like Tyler Conklin a lot, he's a friend of the show. I, we'll see what happens, but yeah. I understand the concept of Robert Tunyon, same quarterback two years ago, who I think Conklin's a better player than, had 10 touchdowns, got used in the red zone a ton. 
And like Conklin last year was like every game felt like it was five or six targets. Yeah. Some of them were kind of wasted though. So I guess where's this just tight end room shake out? Cause it's like, it's a solid room. It's a very expensive room considering yeah. uh, all things, but where's that shake out? Cause the tight end position, it feels like and not just in fantasy, but in real and like the actual game, there's like six or seven elite guys. And then everyone else is like any given yeah. week, they could look awesome. Yeah, hard for me to get too excited about anybody in fantasy from the tight end room right now yeah. because of a couple of the rules that I generally follow. If you have two legit investments in a tight end, it's pretty rare for me to have both of them inside my rankings. Conklin was like right on the periphery of my top 25 of tight ends. You're right, he was solid last year. Um, I felt like sometimes that was because the Jets were just limited elsewhere and there was just the the path of least resistance was short throws, Tyler Conklin in the middle of the field. Um, I expect, I would think, TJ Uzama has a more pronounced role this year. And we we don't know what this Jets uh, receiver slash tight end room will look like uh, once it's all finalized. Because what yesterday we, the Randa Cobb signing was announced. And I know we can joke about it, but like there's a chance they keep adding, whether it's former Packers like Mercedes Lewis or just people that have an interest in playing with Aaron Rodgers. So um, I would say Conklin and Uzama probably kind of cancel each other out enough that. I think there are, while the tight end position is not deep, I think there are better options that can be weekly starters for you that provide more upside. Yeah, I think the Jets are going to be like a, a week-by-week matchup of like, oh, the Jets are playing Houston, and we looked early on in the year, Rodgers is feeding tight ends. Like, yeah, yeah. He'll have his moments, up. no doubt, right? It's yeah. just a tight end, what you're looking for. You have to make a decision. Are you going to live with the guy that one week might have 17 points? And the next week might have two and a half? Or are you going to want the guy that is going to feed you nine and a half points per game, but it's like never more than 12 and never fewer than seven. And that's yeah. a decision, a dance with the devil, so to speak. <laughs> it's unfortunately everyone gets caught in. Um, I want yeah. to finish with, I want to finish with receiver. Um, the Jets receiver room is really interesting to me. I think it's, I saw some tweets yesterday, how the Jets got slow at receiver. Spare me. They signed McCall Hardman, who's one of the four fastest dudes in the league. Gary yeah. Wilson's a four, three guy. I just don't really see them being slow. Like I think Lazard's not fast and Corey Davis isn't a burner. If you want to include Denzel Mims, he's a four, three guy. Randall Cobb's still a good athlete. Um, even if his legs are obviously not, you know, yeah. 2012 Cobb. Where do you see the Jets receiver room? Cause I think, I don't know. I don't want to misquote you here. Cause I feel like you got misquoted on, on a quote with Garrett Wilson. of like, I don't know if you said he was receiver one or whatever. There was some type of like thing about how Garrett Wilson should have a monster year, I yeah. guess. Like, where do you stand with, Eric Wilson and like, you know, Rogers doing the Devante stuff. It's like kind of, <laughs> it's exciting, but it's also like, I almost feel bad. Cause I'm like, dude, I don't know. It's hard to expect you to have 1700 yards and 20 touchdowns next year. Like I think that might be a little generous in year two. We'll see. Wait, by the way, that's like, that's outside of the projections for any of our wide receivers for this year. Like I don't project Justin Anybody. Jefferson to have yeah. 1700 yards this year. I just don't like a really good projection would be like 1,400 yards and like 10 or 11 touchdowns. Yeah, that's what I think as Which well. Which a few guys will get there, by the way. But that'd be like a really strong projection for any player at the tight end, at the wide receiver spot. Uh, but yeah, so Garrett Wilson was wide receiver 21 in total points last year with, I mean, if not the worst, you know, five, one of the the five worst quarterback situations uh, amongst all elite receivers in the NFL. We talked about 83 catches on 147 targets. That target number could decrease by 15 and go to 132. And the catch number could go up by seven or eight, right? So I expect there to be much better efficiency and red zone proficiency must be much, should be much better. Four receiving touchdowns last year for Garrett Wilson, but he was very high up there. I don't have the number on me, which I should, but his end zone target 
number uh, was was really high. Like it was like top, I think it was like top 10. So for him to have that many looks and convert that few last year was much more about the quarterback play than it was him. So I've got him as wide receiver 11. He's the trendiest and he was my pick for breakout wide receiver of the year. Um, I know he was the offensive rookie of the year, but that was with a very porous quarterback situation. There are very few reasons to not be extremely excited about Garrett Wilson this year. Um, maybe there is, I think probably like the best argument against Garrett Wilson would simply be because Lazard's already there and Randall Cobb is there and maybe others, maybe Aaron just has a stronger report out of the gates with those guys that's not nearly strong enough of an argument for me to really move off of my stance. Generally speaking, an elite talent supplants a good rapport with somebody. And so I'm going to bank on this being a Garrett Wilson. I'm sorry if people don't agree with this term because he won offensive rookie of the year last year, but I'm going to call it the Garrett Wilson breakout year. I've talked about breakouts recently and I want to remind people it's a very subjective term, right? Because there's no dictionary definition. You have to have, Fewer than 700 receiving yards and get over 1,200 receiving yards to be a breakout. No, I just mean it takes a big step forward as a player. And based off of everything we saw last year in those circumstances, a lot of reasons to believe that better days are ahead. And Aaron Rodgers and Garrett Wilson should be best friends sooner rather than later. Yeah, look, I think the way you know you phrase it there, he had a really nice year last year. I think that there was some weeks where he looked awesome generally, whereas Mike White or Joe Flacco playing, he got fed a ton yeah. of targets, the Cleveland game, the bears game, those games, the Vikings game, those stand out. The problem is there was also other games where it was like, Jesus Christ, he had 11 targets and two catches for 31 yards. And it's like, yeah. he should have had two or three touchdowns. Um, it's frustrating whether you're a fan, you're watching film the next day, fantasy, it doesn't matter. It was like, this yeah. guy is, there's a lot, there's a lot left out there. Um, and that's, that's uh, my greatest fear for the Bucks this yeah. year. Didn't even start My greatest year for the Bucks receivers. Yeah. yeah, I know. Crazy, right? That's what, I, that's what I don't want for the Bucks this year. I don't want to have Chris Godwin and Mike Evans roster on a couple teams and have weeks where it's like, oh, there goes Mike Evans, two catches on nine targets for 32 yards and zero touchdowns. But I don't know what to expect right now with a quarterback competition made up of Kyle Trask and Baker Mayfield. Like, that doesn't inspire a ton of confidence. My uh, my Uber driver at, uh, at the Senior Bowl would disagree with you. He said Kyle Trask is the best quarterback in the league. Not surprised. Was it Kyle's father? No, it was somebody that may have been related <laughs> to Kyle Trask, and yeah, clearly from guess. clearly from uh, University of Florida uh, from, grad. Yeah, yeah, clearly a Florida grad, and he also yeah, said right. Steve Spurrier is better than Saban. So that guy's a legend. All right. um, yeah, definitely a Florida you, grad. Yeah. Want to ask you one quick question before we before we hop off here? Obviously, last year we kind of mentioned with the Jets rookies, a guy like Brees Hall, Garrett Wilson broke out yeah. in terms of fantasy. They end up having a really nice year. I know that probably it's Bijan because it's like he's the he's a running back, but yeah. it feels like it's kind of the obvious pick. Is there anyone outside of Bijan, I guess, who you're expecting like is probably going to finish pretty high, you know, in the top 25, I guess, or, you know, wherever Garrett Wilson and Brees Hall finished last year in terms of fantasy? Like, is there any rookie that besides yeah. Bijan? Because I don't know. They got a thousand yards out of Tyler Algier and Cordell Patterson. Yeah. yeah. I always wonder if fans sometimes prefer the analyst who always has the outside the box answer or, it's or just if they just appreciate the answer from the analyst that's obvious and expected. So Bijan is the answer for sure, but Jameer Gibbs is not far behind. And Gibbs was a curious case in the pre-draft process because there were people that I talked to in the scouting community that were like, I don't understand why you're not talking about him more. And the best answer that I got was Bichon is just such a superlative prospect that at the running back position that everybody else felt a little bit less significant. I'm not saying Jameer Gibbs from a 
full body of work and skill set standpoint is Bijan, but he's a darn good player, like way, way better than any other running back in this year's class other than Bijan Robinson. And fantasy football, I know everybody who is listening that plays it already knows this, but just as a reminder, catching passes is such a cheat code for running backs. And if I had to guess, Jameer Gibbs has a real shot to be a top 10 receiver amongst all running backs right out of the gates. Um, he doesn't need a thousand rushing yards. He could have 700 rushing yards. He could have 500 rushing yards, but if he pushes for 60 or even 70 catches, he'll be extremely valuable. And I'm sure you studied him during the pre-draft process, but for those that didn't just go back and watch him at Georgia tech, watch him at Alabama. The guy was the best pass catcher on Alabama's offense by a mile last year. His Georgia Tech days, that was a different offense, obviously, but he was awesome as a runner, awesome as a receiver. He was awesome as a return man as well. He is a he's an uber athlete. And if the Lions don't get him involved in the passing game a lot, I'd be very surprised because while DeAndre Swift clearly was not in full favor there in Detroit, he was a very busy pass catcher these past couple of seasons. Yeah, I was gonna say if anyone saw the uh <laughs> Anyone saw the video of Brad Holmes and uh, Dan Campbell celebrating this year? Fired up. I was like, "Wow, DeAndre Swift must be." I don't know who he murdered in uh, in that building, but they are not cannot wait to get him out of there. That was Uh, that was like the the, the, you know that like you can there's a I think it's I don't know if it's all tweets, but it says like translate this tweet when it looks like it's not English on the English language. If you're on the English version of Twitter, like if you could translate this tweet. It basically was Brad saying to DeAndre, good riddance, right? Yeah, like, yeah. how did the damn one Good riddance, yeah, yeah. What, which team do you want to go play for? So. Yeah, I'm, I was interested that there's the Jets rumor that they were going to take him at 15. I, I don't, I have not, I've heard more it's a rumor than it was truth, but that would have been incredibly interesting to have a Jets offensive, Garrett Wilson, Brees Hall, and Jameer Gibbs. Um, yeah, yeah, that, that was interesting. Been, I don't know. Felt like it was a little bit more like the Lions wanted some validation of why they took him at 12. Um, but I'm sure that's ben, my that, initial yeah. reaction. That's my initial reaction. That yeah. would be my initial. Yeah. Ben Johnson's yeah. A, an elite offensive coordinator. He's a guy that has done creative ways to get the ball in guys' hands. Jamal Williams, obviously, last year, yep. you know, basically 10 carries for 20 yards and four touchdowns a game. <laughs> but yep. uh, no, I uh, obviously appreciate you taking some time to hop on. Course, it's obviously man. exciting time, uh, exciting time to be living in the Northeast, you know, some Jets, Pats, uh, maybe we get Jets, Pats week one. That'll, that'll do some big numbers as well. Uh, make sure you guys are obviously, you know, a lot more followers than me. So I assume people are following you already on Twitter, but NFL live, um, you know, daily, I'm pretty sure. Obviously you got fancy football stuff and a million other things. Uh, make sure you guys are tuned in and following some good work. We appreciate hopping on. Thanks, man. Appreciate you having me on. And I can't wait for a week from right now. We'll finally have that scheduled, the much anticipated 2023 slate.